Thank you very much. Merci. So yes, I'm going to speak about uh, first uh, Karl Levitt's book, uh, which is, uh, has already been uh, evoked. So uh, Levitt has uh, proposed the famous uh, reconstruction of the history of the Western conception of uh, history, so to say which is at the same time uh, a genealogy of uh, the very idea of uh, meaning of history, of the meaning of history or in history. So um, as it has been uh, reminded, this book first published in 1949 in the United States, uh, entitled Meaning in Stories, and in Germany under the title Weltgeschichte und Heilsgeschehen, is one of the main pieces of, of what has been called Secularisierungsstreit, uh, the quarrel of secularization. And its main thesis is well known. Uh, it is that the modern philosophies of history, and more generally the modern faith in history, are nothing but a secularization of messianism or eschatology. This uh, or is, of course, a problem because uh, uh, messianism is something else than uh, eschatology. And uh, it has uh, been already noticed this afternoon that messianism has also a political uh, content so in a way, it's, uh, already, uh, it has al already a secular dimension before being secularized, so it's a, a problem. But uh, first, a semantic precision is due. We have to distinguish between the two senses, maybe, of secularization. So that's, in fact, what I, I've tried to do in, in the book. Uh, when we speak, as I've just done, about the process of secularization and about the question of whether it has come to its end uh, or not, this process is understood as, uh, let's say, the withering away of the public influence of religion as a form of de-theologization of the ways of thinking and as a growing independence of the various social, social spheres vis-à-vis -vis the churches and their uh, prescriptions. So here, to sum up, we could speak of a secularization as de-theologization. But when one says with Levitt that the Marxist philosophy of history, for instance, is nothing else, I quote, than a secularization of messianism in the language of, in the language of political economy, one points to an operation of transfer, of a transformation of something into something else. But in this transfer, the something else, the new formation, to a certain extent, preserves its uh, origin. And here lies the polemical point leading us to the second meaning of secularization envisaged uh, here, the assertion of, an, of a hidden continuity of a religiosity, of a kind of discourse or, or thought which uh, itself pretends to be purely uh, rational and, and secular. So uh, religiosity at odds with the deseologization mentioned uh, above. And it is about this second meaning of secularization that Hans Blumenberg has opened a wide, a wide debate about 
what he has called, ironically, the theorem of secularization. Uh, I is nothing else than uh, a secularized uh, X. Uh, a device that would have uh, been uh, much uh, applied in uh, modern thought to interpret the origins of such or, or such uh, representation. So uh, I would like to come back uh, on this debate by focusing on the question of uh, eschatology, but also on a few, um, <coughs> on a few maybe. Um, uh, followers of Leuvitz's uh, work in the, in the later philosophy of the 20th uh, century. We know, in fact, that the, the discussion has started as a public debate during a conference in 1962 organized in, in Münster about precisely the idea of progress, the idea of progress. And there, Leuvitz gave a famous lecture, Das Verhängnis des Fortschritts, so uh, progress as a fatality. Blumenberg, still young, still young and uh, unknown, uh, for the first time launched his thesis that secularization was, uh, in fact, a category of historical illegitimacy, uh, and uh, applied it to Leuvitz's book, Meaning in History. Blumenberg's uh, thesis comes down to the assertion that secularization may, may not be used to discard all modern achievements as merely illegitimate transfers of theological concepts to a more worldly uh, sphere. And of course, in 1966, considerable—considerable. <laughs> Sorry, Blumenberg extended his first attack on Levit and the secularization theorem in Delegitimated der Neuzeit. What seems important to me in this, in this context is the fact that the debate around secularization was immediately a debate about uh, Fortschritt, progress, and about the modern concept of uh, history. Leuvitz says this of a continuity between prophetic uh, awareness, Jewish messianism, Christian theologies of history, and the modern philosophies of history might have concealed, for reason of its very massive character, some critical remarks that introduce more uh, complexity. For instance, Leuvitz acknowledged the difficulty inherent in the very idea of a Christian conception of history. Question that Carl Schmidt will, will take up uh, after the war, uh, in the one year after, in fact. Uh, Christian conception of history, writing, uh, and Levit writes that it is an artificial construction and a contradi contradictory uh, mix or compound. A Christian conception of history is an artificial construction. Why? Because the Christian eschatology was originally something absolutely different from any attempt to find a meaning and an order in human history. What was important and expected was the eschaton, the end of times. But in a way, Levitt's book aims at describing how these two levels, Weltgeschichte und, and Eisgeschen, uh, uh, have been brought together step by step during Western history and have merged into something strange in a way, the face in history itself, the face in history, not in a future world, but in the future of the world, as uh, David says. 
So these two histories have finally merged in what Levitt calls the inner worldly doctrines of collective salvation. Inner worldly doctrines of collective salvation. And this process can be described as a process of historicization and immanentization of eschatology. The division of history in three ages, uh, we can find the, the division of history in three ages in uh, Daniel's, in the book of Daniel, in Daniel's prophecies. But then it becomes, uh, it's in a way applied to a more immanent uh, level, uh, especially with Joachim of Fiore in the 12th uh, century. <coughs> with Joachim, according to Lovitz, this schema of three moments has been projected from a theological uh, level, that is the Trinity, into a succession of historical ages, the ages, the age of the Father, the age of the Son, and the age of the Holy Spirit. And with the German philosophers of history, um, who were, according to Leuvit, uh, the heirs of the Johannic and Joachit uh, theology, this came became a purely historical, dialectical shame of realization of the spirit, uh, Geist. Uh, so what is interesting, I think, in, in this <coughs> reconstruction is that uh, we have several steps in, in uh, the uh, immanentization and historicization of uh, eschatology. Um, with uh, Joachim de Flore, uh, the Christian historicization of eschatology uh, uh, takes a new uh, meaning, giving, giving rise to an interpretation of history as really a disclosure or a revelation of, of the spirit, as it's the history itself that, begins, that becomes, which becomes the revelation of, uh, of the spirit. So the fulfillment uh, expected uh, is not expected uh, beyond history um, at the end of the world, but, but in the last uh, historical epoch. So uh, the uh, eschatological schema uh, of uh, Joachim doesn't consist anymore in a, in a millennium, nor in the simple uh, expectation of the, the end of the world, but in uh, Levitt writes a double eschaton because there is a, a, a final historical phase of uh, sacred history which precedes the transcendent eschaton, the uh, era, Aon, uh, the new era opened by uh, the return of the Christ. The reign of spirit is the last revelation of uh, the, the will of God on earth and uh, in time. So here we have a kind of double um, eschaton, a final historical phase before the opening of a reign radically new. And we find this uh, in a way in, uh, in the philosophy of uh, history with the figure of the end of history. The end of history is almost uh, always uh, the beginning of a new era. It's, a, it's the last epoch, but it's the beginning of a new era, or even the beginning of the real history. 
of the real, so the end of the prehistory, like in Marx's famous text from the, the Capital, the, the end of the prehistory of humanity and the beginning of the real history of humanity. So uh, here, uh, Levitz uh, stresses the fact that there, there was something very new in, in uh, Joachim and in, in his uh, inheritance. Uh, towards uh, the traditional interpretation of revelation and of history that uh, the church, the, the, the Christian church, had uh, admitted leaning essentially on uh, Augustine. You say Augustine? Yeah, Augustine. Augustine. Uh, Augustine's city of God. Uh, because, as it has been uh, recalled, there is, of course, always a real uh, gap between the city of God and the city of, of man. Uh, albeit, uh, the, the church is supposed, according to Augustine, uh, to uh, peregrinate in the profane, profane history. So they are separate, but there is something which progresses, and it is the procursus, as Augustine said, of the church slave uh, itself through the, the world history. But, the, in, uh, and uh, Levitt stressed this uh, opposition, in Augustine's uh, thought, the uh, religious uh, fulfillment is equally possible at any point in the course of history after Christ. Whereas in, in Joachim's thought, it is only possible at a determined period uh, determined by a convergence of events. So, according to Augustine, Augustine, the, the historical truth is revealed in a unique uh, event, as that is, uh, of course, the revelation, uh, according to Joachim, in a succession of uh, orders. And we have, in fact, two uh, Christian images of history here. The, the, the image of uh, something which can uh, happen at any time, uh, and it's more in the messianic tradition, something can happen at any time, or the end will come after a series of steps and phases, and it's more uh, the, the tradition inaugurated by uh, Joachim, and that is uh, why here uh, Leuvit uh, talks of, uh, about a theological historicism, a theological historicism, and it is this theological historicism which will be uh, taken up by uh, Hegel, for instance, and other philosophers of, uh, of history. Um, so I wouldn't like to be too long because it's the end of the day. <laughs> so, um, so the general argument, of course, is that this this, uh, this has been uh, really a kind of uh, something that has shaped our uh, imaginary of, of thought, of, of uh, time, and of uh, history. And this, uh, including these ternary shames, these three steps, that uh, we, we find again, and uh, under a distorted form, according to, to Leuvit, in Auguste Comte's Trois Etats, in the idea of a Third Rome, and even in the uh, Nazi uh, Third Reich, through uh, Müller van den Brugge's Third Reich and Bereshkovsky, Christianism of the Third Testament. And these are all steps between these, these, these ideas. 
So here I think Blumenberg has raised uh, an important uh, objection. It is say that an analogy, we have analogies of course, uh, and an analogy or surface uh, resemblance is not a, a secularization. Secularization is a transformation. An analogy is the fact that we can see resemblance, but it doesn't say that something has been transformed into something else. So not every ternary structuration of history is a metamorphosis of the Trinity, for instance. And nor is every historical expectation the expectation of the eschaton or of the uh, millennium. Um, and here, uh, in fact, Blumenberg wants to uh, draw our attention to uh, difference, precisely, to, to differences, differences between the idea of a, of a progress, the modern idea of a progress, as a progress ad infinitum, as an immanent and infinite progress. This idea is really something else than the idea of the eschaton, so, 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 the end. Progress in infi ad infinitum uh, is something really different, even morphologically, as I say, uh, than the idea of uh, Neskaton. Uh, there is a, uh, another argument, but it's, it's quite complicated, and I, I sum up very uh, uh, grossly here, uh, which consists in uh, considering the, the real role the eschatology played in the history of the church. Uh, and it's uh, quite interesting because uh, Blumenberg uh, wants to show that, in fact, uh, as it became really an uh, institution, uh, an institution uh, which was to, <clears throat> to, to have uh, its own duration, uh, the church had to <laughs> neutralize, in a way, eschatology. It had to, to put eschatology, uh, let's say, uh, back. And, uh, of course, for the first Christian community, the end was supposed to come uh, right now. You know, it was some kind of an immediate end. But the end did not come. And the, the, the problem of the catechism is, is there. The, the end does not come. And we think that the second letter to the Thessalonian might be uh, an apocryph, uh, apocryph letter. So, what if uh, we have to wait? Well, precisely, the church is going to accompany us uh, during this this time, and of course, uh, she is going. It, uh, the church is going to convert to evangelize. And that's the procursus. She's going. The church has this, uh, this job to do, so, so to say. So uh, Blumenberg uh, observes that uh, in the Middle Age, the church in the in the Christian uh, church, we, the, 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 the eschatology is something which is seen as uh, really uh, frightful, and uh, the Christian began begin to play to pray sorry to, to pray for the delay for the delay we, we pray for the delay pro uh, mora finis in Latin for uh, the fact that the, the the end will come later 
place <laughs> because it's now that we can leave and uh, well okay so, so the end will come later so we we don't see here secularization of eschatology but a, a secularization through eschatology. This is a chapter of Blumenberg's book, uh, Die Legalität, the other side. Because, but here it's secularization, not as a transfer, but secularization as the growing importance of the world, of her world. Uh, so uh, eschatology uh, is, is uh, set uh, back and... Uh, anyway, what is more... Um, difficult to contend in, in Levitt's book, maybe, and what might have uh, had a deeper impact is maybe uh, another idea that we find in the last pages of uh, Levitt's book. It's the idea that the West uh, thinks, uh, <laughs> to general uh, device, but the West thinks it has a historical universal task, a historical mission which will lead the barbarian peoples out of their backwardness, superstition, and so on, to the path of uh, the civilization. And um, this view of a historical mission is, according to Levitt, unthink unthinkable without the uh, Christian and messianic past and inseparable from the Christian past of the West. It's a new, in its new, Secular form, democracy, reason, human rights, and economic prosperity have replaced God and salvation and have become the driving forces of a secular mission, of a Western secular mission of a kind of evangelization, new kind of evangelization. And if we replace democracy and human, human rights by communism and redemption of the suffering in the international working class, we have the Marxist version of the same logic, according to Levitt. This is kind of mission of the West to uh, rescue, maybe, <laughs> uh, the, the humanity. This view has had a long history. If one notices that many thinkers of the 60s, including the so-called postmodern thinkers, have taken up this critical view of any philosophical belief in uh, progress as a form of secularized Christianity. And I just uh, would like to, to give two examples, and I, uh, I conclude after that. These two examples are uh, Michel Foucault and Jean-François Lyotard, so two French famous and often considered as postmodern, we can discuss that, but thinkers. Uh, It has been uh, noticed that uh, Karl Levitt and Michel Foucault both uh, attended the Nietzsche conference in Royaumont in uh, 1964. They met, and for both thinkers, the genealogical project inspired by Nietzsche constituted, in a way, a dam against the idea of progress in dialectical uh, philosophy of history. I don't think it makes sense here to talk about an influence, but in either case, we are invited to turn ourselves to the present and to consider with distance and irony the promises of a future fulfillment, what Foucault calls in Les mots et les choses, 
so uh, two years after this conference, the big dream of an end of history, or uh, les promesses mêlées de l'eschatologie et uh, de la dialectique, the, the mixed promises of eschatology and dialectics. The very uh, promise of the operation of man, of a real man at last, of the free man. And um, we can observe a similarity between Levitz and Foucault's uh, views. Levitz has been interpreted uh, as supporting a kind of return to the Greeks and to their ethics of measure, measure rejecting the human and modern uh, hubris, maybe the prometheism of modernity. The late Foucault, it's more the late Foucault, the last Foucault, has equally shown a renewed interest for ancient ethics, especially for the Greek in understanding of an ethics that, unlike Christian and Kantian ethics, would not be based on absolute commons, but on provisory rules and techniques, as he said, techniques of uh, truth, techniques of the self. But of course, Foucault's political activism and on the topic of the Greek care for oneself, uh, they diverge from Levitt's uh, view. Levitt's skeptical thesis about philosophy of history heralds many posterior philosophical developments about post-history, including the postmodern idea of an end of the uh, grand récit, uh, grand narratives, which has been for, reformulated by uh, Jean-François uh, Lyotard. Striking, it struck me that uh, here again, Levitt and Lyotard have met, and it was also in a Nietzsche conference, <laughs> in uh, this time uh, Cerisi in 1972. And um, in uh, various books, uh, of course, uh, Le Différent, uh, La Condition Postmoderne, Lyotard clearly unifies the modern philosophies of history, including Marxism, in which he previously uh, believed, so to say, uh, and the Christian grand récit, grand narrative, as origin of our imaginary of uh, historicity in such a way that he lays bare a kind of narrative structure of historicity with changing terms, of course, but a stable uh, frame, framework. So I would like to quote here, it's a long quote, uh, Lyotard's uh, essay, une fable postmoderne, postmoderne uh, fable, in the book uh, Moralité Postmoderne. If we have uh, German, maybe I will read it in French. <laughs> Because it's beautifully written, as you'll see. Uh, C'est le christianisme, repensé par Paul et Augustin, qui introduit au cœur de la pensée occidentale l'eschatologie proprement dite, qui va commander l'imaginaire moderne de l'historicité. So we have here uh, the eschatology which will command the modern imaginary of historicity. L'eschatologie raconte l'expérience d'un sujet affecté par un manque et prophétise que cette expérience s'achèvera à la fin des temps par la rémission du mal, par la destruction de la mort et par le retour à la maison du Père. La modernité laïque, 
l'Iota Hans, maintient ce dispositif temporel, celui d'un grand récit, entre guillemets, comme on a dit, comme on a dit, of course, himself, ou coins this concept of grand récit, celui d'un grand récit, comme on a dit, qui promet à son terme la réconciliation du sujet avec lui-même et la levée de sa séparation. Bien que sécularisé, le récit des Lumières, la dialectique romantique ou spéculative et le récit marxiste déploient la même historicité que le christianisme parce qu'ils en conservent le principe eschatologique. So, uh, I, I read the translation. Paul's and Augustine's eschatological reinterpretations of Christianity installed eschatology, properly speaking, in the heart of Western thinking and made it predominant in modern historical consciousness. Eschatology tells the story of a wanting human being and promises that this condition will come to its terms at the end of times by overcoming evil and death and by the return to the house of the Father. Secular modernity retains the temporal structures of a grand narrative, as one has called it, so of course it's Lyotard himself, and promises in its turn reconciliation within the heart of human subjectivity. The story of enlightenment, the romantic or speculative dialectics, and the Marxist narrative unfold the same historicity as Christianity, albeit in a secular form, because they preserve the eschatological principle. End of quote. So here we have, in a way, a direct repetition of Leuvitt's main thesis, as if postmodernism were already there in 1949, because the idea is that you have the same historicity, the same imaginary of uh, history, was really uh, Levitz uh, says this. Uh, there is a second point uh, which uh, legitimates, in a way, uh, this comparison between Levitz and Lyotard and postmodernism, maybe, is that during the 30s, Levitz fled from Germany. Uh, He learned that he was a Jew uh, through the Nazis, as he said. He didn't know he was, but the Nazis said he was. So he, he fled from Germany to Japan. And there he showed a deep interest in Asiatic culture, namely Japanese, and especially in the Zen tradition of Buddhism, where uh, he, he found maybe a kind of alternative view of the relationships between word and time. And the idea is that we have here another idea of the, the relationship between word and time. Uh, and maybe a model for the post-Christian culture without any face in history or any face in the future, kind of radical uh, investment of the, the present. And Jean-François Lyotard, in the same book, Moralité Postmoderne, also evokes a Japanese motto, uh, Earth has no path by itself. La terre n'a pas de chemin par elle-même. And he interprets it as the idea that there is no way to emancipation, not one way to follow, 
to, to free man and so on. But that the understanding of this negation, no way, pas de chemin, could be a chance, kind of awakening from Western uh, teleology, eschatology, messianism, and uh, of this futurist orientation, always expecting from the future fulfillment uh, and a unique uh, way to the future. And uh, of course, he compares this Japanese view to Heidegger's image of the Holzwege, the, the passes which uh, disappear in the, in the forest. And it's a common point, of course, between Yota and Levitz that they both are at least readers, <laughs> but more than that, of uh, Heidegger. Of course, uh, Levitz was also a student and uh, not exactly a friend, but <laughs> some, uh, knew very well uh, Heidegger. So, um, today I think, and I will conclude with these remarks, we, we often notice that in the contemporary continental philosophy about secularization, Levitz says this, combined with a certain reading of Heidegger about the metaphysics of the of wheel and uh, its decline, seems to be much more accepted, it's made my uh, view, I can discuss that, than Blumenberg's counter-argument. Um, and, well, of course, I've not at all given a complete picture of the reception of this debate, which should have included uh, Odo Markvard's uh, History of the Farewell to Philosophies of History, and Giorgio's Agamben, uh, Giorgio Agamben's criticism of both Blumenberg and Leuvitz, because, uh, according to Agamben, they did not uh, distinguish enough between eschatology and messianism, precisely. They did not... Uh, put a clear distinction between eschatology and messianism, and they did not see what makes messianism absolutely irreducible to any view of progressive and linear uh, time. Anyway, my impression is that the reception of this uh, dialogue is still underway, and that we have not yet explored the full depth of Blumenberg's defense of the legitimacy of the modern age, nor of his reflections on history and, and progress. Because Blumenberg shows well, I think, that we should distinguish another thing between a specific and a generic denotation of progress. First, it is somewhat, uh, somewhat irresponsible, according to Blumenberg, to deny the reality of local form of progress uh, in science, health, medicine, struggle against child mortality techniques, and also maybe concerning the institutionalization of legal protections and mechanism of public uh, discussion. But we have to distinguish this local form of progress from the emphatic and general idea of the progress of humanity, uh, supposed to go and to grow as a total process to a telos or to an eschaton, to a point of fulfillment. Such a general idea of progress would indeed be uh, tantamount to the reinvestment of a total narrative and would uh, neither resist a critical and rational uh, scrutiny, according to Blumenberg, and it will, of course, not account uh, for the atrocities of the 20th century. We cannot believe, in, of course, in a kind of uh, general progress of humanity. 
And Levitt's book was, in a way, a reflection on the roots of these catastrophes, and it was certainly an expression of a crisis, a crisis of any emphatic view of history as a place of collective salvation. And this idea of the history as a place of collective salvation is the target, maybe, of Levitt's book. So perhaps we need to develop a concept of history that allows us to recognize the idea of progress and at the same time makes us uh, vigilant for the permanent possibility of catastrophe, including, of course, today's ecological catastrophe. And maybe that would be the right way to think a radical secularization, that is to say a secularization without illusion about the future and about uh, the own effects of uh, secularization.